Guys, we are winding down on our Father series. We have this Sunday and uh, next Sunday, and then we will be moving on into kind of our Christmas series, which I can hardly believe we're at that time of the year. We're moving into Christmas, but I guess the weather kind of confirms we are. Um, actually, the weather's kind of confirming that we're way past Christmas because we're like in January weather already. It's crazy. But uh, last week, we spent some time talking about how we are to approach our Father. And the how, quite frankly, is as, child, as small children, that's how we're to approach Him, to take on the heart of a child and uh, um, approach our Heavenly Father with all the wonderment and the innocence and wholehearted belief and trust that a small child has. Because when we do that, um, we're told, Jesus says, then we will enter into the kingdom of God. We will experience the activity of God in our lives and, and truly experience eternal life, which is knowing God and knowing Jesus. So this week, what I thought we would do is look at just a few characteristics of our Heavenly Father. Um, in other words, when we do come to Him, um, what is this Father going to be like, the one we encounter? What kind of Father are we going to get to know? And, and I know a couple weeks ago, I spent some time talking about how we have some hindrances in our life that prevent us from coming to, the, to our Heavenly Father. And one of the main hindrances is the word itself, Father. Um, you see, we often will filter our Heavenly Father through the lenses of our earthly Father. And in doing so, guys, we paint the wrong picture of God. For instance, a child who, who feels like they need to succeed at school and they need to get straight A's in school and they need to be awesome at sports and great at football and volleyball and all that stuff in order to gain their father's approval, they're going to see their relationship with God in a very similar way. They're going to feel like they have to earn God's approval. They're going to have to earn God's acceptance and God's love. And for others, the word father may bring up memories of abuse or neglect or a zillion other things. And guys, think about that. Think about how tragic that is, that such a beautiful facet of, of God's character, that he's a warm and he's a gentle and he's a, a welcoming dad, is often tainted by the weaknesses and the mistakes of our human fathers. So hopefully we were able to see during that week that to look at God from that direction through the lenses of our earthly father is a horrible mistake. We can't look at it from that direction. Because here's the deal. Humans don't set the standard for fatherhood. God does. Your father or my father are not the bar for what fatherhood means. And I don't care if you even had the most amazing father in the entire world. We should never look at our fathers as the threshold of what fatherhood is. Because no father will ever be able to measure up to what true fatherhood is. Only God the Father sets that standard. It's a little bit like this. You know when we go to national parks, and like the Yosemite and Yellowstone and Glacier National Park, and we go there and we're just like, oh, this is beautiful. Or we're watching a beautiful sunset over a lake, and we're just like, wow, that's beautiful. Or we're at a beach and we see the waves crashing down on this beach. When we see stuff like that, what do we want to do? Yeah, we want to capture it. So we, we'll pull out our phone and we'll take a picture of it and we'll take a, a bunch of them. But I don't care how good of a camera you have or how good of a photographer you are, the picture will never turn out like you saw. It just doesn't. A picture can capture an image of it, and it can be fairly good, but it can never capture the entirety of the view you were looking at. 
So you know how it is. When we're showing our pictures to our friends, we're like, dude, check this out. Dude, it, trust me, it was, it's not, it was so much better than that. You're just looking at the whole thing. It was way, it was so, it was stunning. And the pictures just don't do it. Well, guys, it's the same way when it comes to God as our Father. Yes, our fathers have been image bearers, and, and as fathers were to reflect what God is like, but as imperfect humans who continue to make mistakes, the image we portray isn't even close to what our Heavenly Father is truly like. So don't ever make the mistake of thinking fatherhood is defined by humans. Don't ever think that fatherhood is defined by your father or somebody else's father, even if they might have been a good one. We can only understand what true fatherhood is from God himself, because God is the standard for what fatherhood is. Amen? Okay, remember that. Now, here's why he's the standard. And here's why no earthly father could ever perfectly reflect the standard of the fatherhood of God. Because God, the Father, doesn't just reflect male attributes, he also reflects female attributes. And I know that may make some people uncomfortable and be like, oh, okay, you're trying to say that God is a woman? No, I'm not trying to say that. I, but I can understand why it might freak you out. I, I know that Jesus, in his human nature, was male. It's also true that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are constantly referred to in the Bible with the male pronoun he. God reveals himself many times in Scripture using male metaphors as a husband or as a father. And so, yeah, it is completely biblical to refer to God as he. Okay? But I think it would be wrong for us, and this is my opinion, I think it would be wrong for us to make the mistake of claiming that God in the fullness of his divine majesty, is intrinsically male. Why? Because I don't believe God has a gender. He's not human. He's God. And, and when we call him father, we don't mean that he's male like as a father. We mean that he relates to us as an earthly father does. And when the Bible refers to God as a husband, once again, it's not claiming that God is male, but that God jealously guards his relationship with his people as a good husband loves and protects his wife. And I, I want you to kind of think about this first section for, for a second. It says this in, in Genesis 1.27. Those of you who have taken discipleship, you know this verse. You've memorized it. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And notice it says male and what? Female. He created them. So what does that mean? It means that only when both man and woman are created in Genesis 1, that God is fully imaged. He's imaged in the two of them. So what does that imply about God and his attributes? Well, it implies this. God has feminine attributes as well as masculine at attributes. And actually, maybe a better way to say this is that God has attributes which both men and women image uniquely. That There are things about God that men more directly you know, put on display than women do. And there are things about God that women more directly put on display about God than, than men do. In fact, here, here's just a couple examples. I mean, there's a lot of things in Scripture where we see God as, you know, takes on the male role. But let's just look at a few in Scripture where God is compared. He has the woman, you know, attributes. 
Isaiah 66, 13. It says, As one woman, or as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. What is that telling us? It says that God comforts his people like a mother comforts her child. I'm sorry, guys, but women are just way better at comforting than we men are. I'm sorry, it's just the way it goes. I mean, we men stink at it. We can try. But when little Billy falls down and scrapes his knee, little Billy has learned not to run to his dad if he wants any comfort. Because when he runs to dad, what does dad do? You're fine. Shake it off. Come on, dude. Rub some dirt in it. Get those little tears off your face. You're going to be fine. Come on. You know, my, my dad used to do this. He used to work with the Yanomamo. And the Yanomamo men would teach their little kids that when they would get hurt, they'd go, goose, 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 huh, goose, 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 huh. I don't know what that means. But I grew up my whole life. When I'd get hurt, dad'd say, come on, Luke, just say, goose, 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 huh, goose, goose, huh. So I was looking like, goose, 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 hot, goose, goose, hot. I'm like, this doesn't help, dad. But when little Billy runs to mom, moms are the best. They scoop their little Billy up and they hold him and they say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's going to be okay. And they'll, they'll kiss their owies and they'll put a Band-Aid on the owies. And, and moms just know how to make things all better. They're the best at comforting. Well, guess what? That is a picture of what God is like. If you think mothers are great at comforting, God is so much more. He comforts the brokenhearted. He comforts the grief-stricken. He is the great comforter. No one comforts like our God does. And mothers are simply imaging God when they do it. They're reflecting who he's like. In Isaiah 49, 15, it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. What is that telling us? It says, in other words, it's saying, like a woman would never forget her nursing child, God will not forget his children. And I mean, this one, when we look at this, is pretty self-explanatory between men and women. Because men obviously don't have the plumbing to be able to nurse their children. Okay? So they don't get to experience that. And you know what? I really think that there is something incredibly powerful to a mother-child relationship that happens during nursing. I remember seeing my children nurse and, and Shauna would be holding them like this and looking down and the little baby would be looking up at mom while they're nursing and they're forming this incredibly deep bond. And it's that kind of experience between a mother and her child that forms a bond in such a way that it makes it nearly impossible for a mother to walk away from her child. Or it makes it impossible for a mother to forget her child. And I, I don't know why, but us guys aren't like that. And I think what helps is you, you mothers, you start developing a bond months before the baby's even born. You, you're holding that baby for nine months, and you're feeling it moving. You're developing this deep, deep bond, and nursing simply adds to it. We fathers suddenly just have a new person in the house that we got to adjust to, okay? And it takes us a while to get used to that and to remember that. I remember just a couple weeks after Alex was born, we went to a party at our friend's house. And uh, you know how they're in the car seat, those things that weigh like 200 pounds and you're carrying around. And I was trying to, trying to get her to fall asleep, and eventually she fell asleep. And so I'm like, you know, 
carry over. And I put her kind of like behind the couch in the corner behind a plant so that she would be fall asleep and, you know, be alone so I could enjoy the party. Went through the whole party, had a good time, and Shauna's like, honey, we need to get home. And so she gets the diaper bag, and she gets her purse, and she, you know, walks out and heads out to the car. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to my friend, and I'm like, hey, dude, I got to get going. Shauna's already in the car. And I run out the door, and I <laughs> climb into the car, and Shauna's like, where's Alex? And I'm like, holy smoke. It's like, ran, ran up, and I'm like, hey, guys, I got to get my baby here. Uh, and I went back to the car. I totally forgot we had a kid. It was crazy. Mothers aren't like that. Children are always on the mind of their mother. I don't care how old they get. My, I have two kids in college. You know there's not a day that goes by where Shauna isn't thinking about her children? Hope my kids aren't watching on live stream right now, but I can go days without thinking of them. I feel bad saying that, but that's just reality. Shauna never goes a day. Now, another thing, I don't care what that child has done. The heart of a mother will always cherish and always care for that child. And God is comparing himself to that kind of love for his children. God never stops thinking about you. His mind is always on you. And like a mother, he'll never forget you. Amen? Isn't that awesome? In Hosea 13.8, it says, I will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs. Then it kind of goes into some graphic detail. But what is that telling us? It says God experiences the fury of a mother bear robbed of her cubs. Now we all know that. We, we all, that's just like a saying, like don't get between a mother bear and her cubs because we know that it, you got a war in your hands. And it's so true. I'm telling you, there is nothing like the fury of a mother when she feels her children are threatened or in danger. Amen, mothers? Amen. It's true. You guys get crazy. I just said, are you serious? And Siri kicked up. <laughs> I remember Alex was a couple months old, and uh, she's just a little baby. And we, you know those little bouncy seats that, you know, you sit them in, you can kind of bounce them. But we had kind of a souped-up model that was, ran on battery and had like a little vibrator. So like this, and it would put the kid to sleep. And so we were sitting down eating supper. And uh, had, I put Alex in the bouncy seat and uh, set her down on the ground, and Sean and I were eating at the table. And I'm, like, and I'm like, you know what? She's way down there. We're up here. Let's put her up on the table so that we can look at her and we can eat, and it'll just be this nice family time. So I put her up on the table, and Sean is like, honey, are you sure that's, that's safe? And I'm like, honey, what, what do you think is going to happen? Fall off the table? So I set her on the table, and we start, we start eating, and it's like, and I'm, we're just talking, all of a sudden, and I'm like, ah! I launch, and I catch her before she hits the ground. She vibrated right off the table. And I get her, I'm like, oh, my word. And I turn around, and Shauna's like, give me my baby. I'd never heard this voice from her before. Give it to me. She rips it away from me, and she's looking at me, and I'm like, I just saved her life. Why are you coming after me? When she feels threatened, man, she's going to go in go mode. You mothers are crazy. Mothers are fiercely protective of their children. And God is telling us that he has the heart of a mother when it comes to seeing his children threatened by the enemy. Read the Old Testament and you'll see the evidence of how God would protect his children when enemies would come against his children, the children of Israel. He would step in and be like a mama bear protecting her cubs. God is and was and will be 
forever protective of his children. And listen, I could go on and on about different aspects of God where he's comparing himself to a mother and the attributes of a mother. So I guess what I'm trying to convey is that God reveals himself to us as our heavenly father in, in a far more broad way than an earthly father could because God encompasses both the father and the mother attributes. In fact, it's the parental unit that exemplifies who God is and how he feels towards us. Now, why do I point that out? Because last week we talked about how approaching God as little children. And if we're going to do that, we need to see God in this kind of landscape. Because if we don't, we're going to fail to experience or know God the Father in ways that we should. Because we're simply limiting Him to the male characteristics. We need to experience God in the also the female characteristics. Because if we don't, that'd be terrible. Now, think why that's important is because children, they, they need to see both mom and dad, and they learn how to interact with both of them. For instance, when it comes to parents, have you ever noticed how children understand which parent to go to in each situation? You ever notice that? They do. They just inherently pick that up. And I'm speaking in generalities here. I know it's probably not like this in every family. But for the most part, kids will know which, which one to go to. When a child is hungry, who will the child go to, typically? Mom. They will go to mom. Now, why will they go to mom? Because mom is such a stinking sweetheart, she will get up from whatever she's doing, and she'll make her child something. If they go to dad, guess what dad does? What are you coming to me for? Go get some cereal. Some look in the fridge. I'm not going to make you anything. You know, fend for yourself. Be tough. Rub some dirt in it. That's what we do. They know mom will make something, so they'll like bypass dad and go to mom, okay? Um, When an older child needs help solving a problem, guess who they'll go to? They'll go to dad. They'll go to father. Why? Because men love solving problems. We are the solution finders. That's how we are. And so when kids got a problem, all right, let's sit down. Let's work this out. Now, on the flip side, though, if a child is just hurting emotionally and they want to be understood and they want to be comforted, guess who they'll go to? They'll go to mom. Why? Because women are great at understanding and emotionally identifying with a person. Like when a kid will come home from school, a little kid, and be, you know, he'll come to mom and say, Mom, I'm just, I don't have any friends at school and I'm just all alone and it's so lonely, and I just hate school, and blah, blah, blah. The mom will be like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I understand. That must be so lonely, and it must be so hard to go to school, and I get it, and they'll hold a little child. And the kid's just like, ah, everything's all better. And we guys are like, how is everything all better? Because if the kid comes to us and says, Dad, I'm just, I don't have any friends, and I'm so lonely at school, what do we kick into? Solutions. Well, buddy, the Bible says if you're just going to be a friend, you've got to consider yourself friendly. So you've got to be friendly to people. And you know what? You should join the chess club, join sports, join this, join that. We'll give them a solution to try to do that. And the kid's like, oh, brother, I'm going to mom. You know? <laughs> mom are good. Moms are good at that. If a child needs something, you know, fixed on his car or changing a tire, guess who he's going to go to? He's going to go to father because father has the knowledge to do that sort of stuff. If a child is walking down a dark alley and, and, and they're scared, who, does they, who do they want by their side? Dad, because he's the warrior. He's the strong man of the family. 
Here's a funny one. Let me ask you this. When your child asks for money, who do they typically go to? Say it out loud. I just want to see what. Well, you guys are like 50-50. First and second was mainly mom. That's how it is in my family. When the kids come and they ask for money, they'll, we're going to go to mom. Because when they go to mom, they're like, hey, mom, I need $25 to get us something here, whatever. And she's like, oh, sweetie, sure. Yeah, we'll get that for you. I'll, I'll put it right in your account. They come to me. I'm like, you asked for $25 two days ago, dude. I mean, what's going on? Get a job. Get a, you, know, you need to work more hours to get this stuff. And they're just like, you know what? I'm going to mom. So that's how it is. You see, children understand and they learn who will meet the need the best. And, and yet both mom and dad have unique attributes that they bring to the relationship. And both mom and dad are essential to the formation of a child. That's why when a child grows up without one or the other, they experience a deep loss at the very core of who they are. But that's the beauty of having a heavenly father. Because our heavenly father is perfect. Amen? He's perfect. Let me just do this little visual for you. If this is the amount of involvement in a child, and this is the life of a child, when that child is first born... Who has the most involvement in the kid's life? Mom. Yeah, she's way up here. I mean, she, like we said, she's got all the hardware and stuff for it. And she, she's taking care of that kid. A lot of times if a kid, we didn't have, what are that, what's that stuff, the powder junk? If we didn't have that, kids would die without a mother. Okay, they need a mom. Now, how much involvement does a dad have? Well, let's give them a little, guys. Come on now. <laughs> They're kind of way down here. Okay? They're a little. Now, A mother's role in a child's life is going to be so important in that kid's life. We're going to talk about this in a second, but she's going to eventually settle down to there. But a mom, you guys are made in the image of God. You are nurturers. You are comforters. You you guys are protectors in in a sense that you spot danger from a long way off. I mean, you guys are crazy. I don't know how you do it, but you're like, yeah, no. I know that's going to be dangerous, so we don't, we're not going to do that. Or you'll be folding the laundry, and, you, and you'll suddenly know that your kid's in danger, and you'll run out the door, and they're getting ready to jump in the pool or something like that. You guys are amazing. So God has made you in his image, and that's so important in that kid's life. And eventually, it trails off to, to right there. Now, Father's role starts way down here, but it eventually crosses up and takes kind of the preeminent role to eventually, at a point in the kid's life, it drops down and joins mom. I don't know why everybody laughs at that. That's just the second service. They laughed like crazy too. We'll talk about why that is. Now, a father's role, he still images God. He's the warrior. He's the protector. A lot of times what a father will do is he tries to get his kid to be tough. You notice that? Rub some dirt in it, you know. They'll be out out on the playground. And what do fathers do? When they're doing the push them on the swing, what do fathers typically do? As high as they can get them. They'll, they'll do underdogs. They'll be on the monkey bars. All right, jump to dad. Jump to dad. The kids are like, ah. And mom's like, no, 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 no. And the dad's like, come, 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 jump. They're pushing their kids because they want them to come out of their comfort zone and be strong and tenacious in life. And that's how God is like. So the father is representing father, the, the heavenly father. Now, at this point in the life, there's kind of a crossover. Anybody want to take a wild guess as to when you think that might be? Puberty, right? where a a girl starts to become a woman and a boy starts to become a man. 
I believe that a father's role becomes so preeminent at that point because a father is going to bless your daughter into womanhood. A father is going to bless her child, her, I mean, uh, his son into manhood. I think at this point when a father says, son, you are a man and I know you're ready for life. When a, when a child hears that from father, it allows him to be blessed into manhood. Have you ever met any guys who are in their 30s, maybe even early 40s, and they live their lives as if they're like still 15 and 14? They act like teenagers? They never had a father bless them into manhood. It's so important for a father to do that. Now, at this point, when they have entered adulthood, who do we hand them over to? God the Father. Exactly. Now, here's what's been important. If a mother has been imaging God and a father has been imaging God and the child has been looking at both mother and father, who are they getting a picture of? They're getting a picture of God the Father. And at this point, we hand the children over to their heavenly father and we say, you know what, sweetie? You now are going to be taken care of by him. Now the beauty of handing our children over to our heavenly father, as I said before, is that our heavenly father is perfect. We parents, even though we've tried the best we could, we failed many times in many areas. Well, God is going to take our children and he's going to masterfully work in their lives to mature them and grow them into men and women who look like Jesus. He began a good work in you and he will perfect it till the day of Jesus Christ. And we must teach our adult children that now he's the one they must go to. He's the one that they need to rely on. He's the one that they need to come to as little children and trust. And I don't know what your earthly parents are like, but let me tell you, our Heavenly Father is perfect. So when you learn to come to Him as an adult, He's going to be the perfect parent for you. You know, our Heavenly Father, He's always approachable. Always approachable. In Hebrews it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace. With what? How do we approach this throne of grace? With what? With confidence. We don't have to be like, I don't know if I can go. No, we approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, I don't know how it was with your earthly parents. You might have been scared to approach them or embarrassed to approach them or even ashamed to approach them. So you wouldn't come to your mom and dad and you would call them unapproachable. Well, guess what? Your heavenly father, the most high God of this universe, says to his adopted children that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And what is grace? It's God's power being poured on us to do in us what we could never do on our own. So we come to our Heavenly Father, we say, Dad, I can't do this. I, I need you, and I'm coming boldly to your throne. And God says, I love that you came. Boom, I'll pour my grace on you. Our Heavenly Father is most willing to pour His grace out on us. He's always approachable. Third service, listen to me. You need to know that. You need to believe that. And you need to live that out. Amen? Because it will change your life. Secondly, we don't have to earn our Heavenly Father's love. Let me read this verse. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Look at that verse. What does it tell us? 
When, when did God send his son to die for us? Was it after we had it all together? Was it, was it, did we have to be perfect before he sent Jesus? Did we have to love him first before he loved us? No. A thousand times no. We were sinners. We were enemies of God. We stood against him. We stood opposed to him. We were in defiance against him. And in spite of that stance against God, he loved us and he sent Jesus to rescue us. We didn't earn that kind of love. He simply demonstrated it to us. So I, I don't know what your earthly father or mother were like or not sure if you had to perform in such a way to earn their love, but know this, you don't have to for your heavenly father. His love towards you has already been demonstrated through Jesus, and you didn't have to do a single thing to earn it. Another thing I love about our heavenly father is we can't mess up enough to lose our heavenly father's love. Romans 8, it says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in our creation. How much does that leave out? Not a whole stinking lot. We, nothing, will be able to separate us from what? The love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, I'm not sure what your earthly parents were like. I'm not sure if they finally put a limit to your mistakes. I'm not sure if you, you finally screwed up so much in your life to where your parents finally says, you know what, enough is enough. We're cutting you off. We don't want to talk to you again. I'm not sure if anyone here has ever had to endure that or not, but it doesn't matter, matter if you have or haven't. Here's the truth. You can't mess up too much with your Heavenly Father. He will continue to forgive. He will continue to pour out his, his, his love and grace on you. His mercies are new every morning. He will continue to draw you to himself. He will continue to love you and cherish you. Remember, he's like a mother her, who nurses her child. He won't forget you. He's not going to turn his back on you. And guys, here's the beauty. His love keeps no record of wrongs. It always hopes. It always trusts. It always perseveres. Guys, that is incredible love. And that's the kind of love that your heavenly Father has for you. And listen. Listen to this. Nothing can separate you from that kind of love. Amen? Guys, I could go on and on about our Heavenly Father and His perfect parental attributes. He's a perfect comforter. He's a perfect provider. He pours out perfect wisdom on His children. He's a perfect discipliner. I love that about Him. He's a perfect teacher. He's a perfect protector. He is a perfect parent. And while you may have had wonderful Christian parents who did a marvelous job of raising you, know this, they pale. They pale. They, they don't even come close to the perfect Father that you have in God Most High. He sets the standard for fatherhood and motherhood. And so if you come to your Heavenly Father as a small child, you are going to encounter parental perfection because our Heavenly Father is perfect. And you know what? It's His desire to perfect us. And he wants us to be like him. Who do children typically look like? Their parents. 
We should look like our parents. And never should that be more true than in this situation. We need to look like dad. And to look like dad, we need to get to know dad. And to get to know dad, we need to experience dad. We need to interact with our dad. And when we do, guess what? What will we be experiencing? Eternal life. Eternal life, which is interacting with God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And guys, that's why Jesus came, so that we could experience that. Amen? So let's do it. Let's pour ourselves into that. Here's your homework for this week. I want you to go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is an amazing chapter in the book of Psalms. And I want you to read through all the way to verse 18. And read it slowly and meditatively, guys. Don't be like, treat it like homework. All right, I'm done. Luke will be happy. No, I want you to go through slowly. Take your time with it. Soak up each phrase, each passage. Marinate in it. Think about it. But when you get to 17 and 18, it says this. It goes, how precious it is, Lord, to realize that you're thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn towards me. And when I waken in the morning, you're still thinking of me. Now I want you to sit there and I want you to ask your Heavenly Father what He's thinking about you. Because like a mother, you're never far from His thoughts. He's always on your mind. And just ask Him, Father, what, what are your thoughts towards me? I know they're as numerous as the grains of sand on the seashore. What are they? And then journal what you feel He's speaking to your spirit. Okay? Everybody willing to try that? Two of you, good. That's awesome. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that we have this amazing ability to come to you. That you aren't this distant, far away, unapproachable God, but that you tell us to come confidently to the throne of grace. And you, you hold out your hand like a dad to a little child. And so God, I pray that we might truly immerse ourselves into that, into that eternal life into getting to know you more and more and more. And may we experience the fruit of that in our life as we become more and more like you, our dad. So I pray this for every person in this room today, young or old, that you would do that. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who made it possible. Amen. Guys, love you so stinking much. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you next Sunday.